Section 65 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marie Christian. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis de Segur. The Caliph, the Shepherd, and Happiness A Caliph of Baghdad, in what century I know not, was out hunting one day, when he was thrown off his horse and would certainly have been killed if a shepherd had not stopped the courser at the risk of his own life. Covered with wounds and bruises, the Caliph was carried back to his palace, for even Caliphs are bruised and hurt if they fall down. As soon as he was a little recovered, he desired to see his preserver. The poor shepherd was soon found and brought to the palace and into the presence of the sick potentate. You have saved my life, my son, said he. I desire to reward you for your services. Therefore, I swear to you by my beard that I will give you all that you shall ask. You see that my generosity is equal to my power. Oh, sire, replied the shepherd, I have not long to think. I should be perfectly happy if I had but one little thing, and that is a cottage of my own with a little garden, where I could live in peace with my wife and children. You are not difficult to please, said the caliph, smiling, and calling the vizier, he commanded him to give the shepherd immediately a little house and meadow situated near Baghdad. And very enchanted was the shepherd then, so much so that on his way home he could scarcely refrain from singing for joy, and would stop every one he met to tell them of his good fortune, and that very evening he took possession of his new domain. Not far from his house he had a neighbor whose cottage was almost similar to his, and they soon made acquaintance with each other. This neighbor had a little flock of which he made quite a small income every year. I entirely forgot to ask the caliph for some animals, said our friend to himself one day. My neighbor is far better off than I. What is the use of a field if you have neither cows nor sheep? And early the next morning he set off to the palace and asked to see the caliph, who had given orders that he was always to be admitted. Well, my friend, said the prince kindly, are you happy, and is your house comfortable? Very comfortable, sire, replied the shepherd, and I am very happy, but I find that there is one thing that is quite indispensable, and that is a flock like my neighbors. I shall never be comfortably off until I have some animals. I come to entreat your majesty to bestow upon me just a few. Certainly, you ought to have cattle if you have a field, replied the caliph. Then, See that he has what he wants, and let him choose amongst my flocks. Go, my friend, and be happy if you can at such a price. And the shepherd chose just a few, that is to say two dozen and a half of the finest beasts the caliph possessed. I shall be richer than my neighbor, he exclaimed, rubbing his hands gleefully. Now I am the happiest man in the world. Yes, but his field proved too small for such a handsome flock. And then, only a quarter of a mile away, there was a very pretty and productive farm. Our friend could contain himself no longer. He grew troubled and discontented. We shall never be happy, he said one evening to his wife, until we have a little farm like that yonder. I am going to Baghdad on business, 
I shall try to see the caliph and ask him to give me that little property. What would that be to him? It was no sooner said than done. The demand was made the next day. The caliph, after a friendly reproach, gave the farm, at the same time advising his protege not to let his ideas of aggrandizement carry him too far. Oh, no, replied Ben Adab. That was the name of the peasant farmer. There is no possibility of that now, for I have need of nothing more. Nevertheless, three months after, he presented himself again before his benefactor, a little shamefaced, it is true, but fully determined to ask for something more. He had seen a grand seigneur of Baghdad, the splendor of his suite, his life of pleasure and repose, the magnificence of his palace had all proved so seductive that the farmer had said to himself, I shall never be happy until all this pleasure and magnificence is mine. And therefore, relying upon the promise of the all-powerful caliph, he came again, requesting to be made a great lord. The caliph made objections, but was quickly reminded of his oath. He had sworn by his beard. Therefore, behold, Ben Adab metamorphosed into a grand seigneur, possessor of a splendid estate, owner of the most beautiful castles in the neighborhood of Baghdad, waited on by thousands of slaves. He has only to utter a word, to express a desire, and everything is carried out according to his wishes. But he has nothing whatever to do. He can neither read nor write, and he finds that everything grows wearisome. Upon my word, he said to himself at last, I cannot live such a life as this. I was never born to live in obscurity. I must make a name in the world and gain influence in the state, but in the sphere of politics. Ah, it is there that I am fitted to shine. And after having well considered this idea, after having formed plans, sufficiently absurd as may well be imagined, after having safely compared his own capacities with those of the different government officials, he applied to the caliph and informed him that if he desired to render him happy, and to carry out his word in full, he must give him the appointment of his first minister, the Grand Vizier. The caliph was on the point of growing angry and causing Ben Adab to expiate his vain temerity, when the idea struck him in a new and ridiculous light. Who could tell? Perhaps beneath this rugged bark there was concealed the germ of a great man. Briefly he conceded his request, and commanded the turban of the Grand Vizier to be given him at once. The self-elected Vizier next enters upon his duties, and, to begin with, he understands nothing at all. He is beset with demands, with complaints, with petitions. He makes countless mistakes. He grants what he ought to refuse, and refuses what he ought to grant. The Caliph rejects some plans which he submits to his approval. He is indignant, distracted, ill at ease. He has never been so miserable. What a life! What a life! He exclaimed one evening when retiring to rest. Is it possible for a vizier to live a month? I am only the chief slave of the caliph. It is he who opposes me in everything that I wish to do. I see clearly how it is. In order to be happy and to be at peace, it is necessary to be the master of all. If the caliph would give up his place to me everything would go well. He thought of it all night. He grew more and more convinced that happiness could be secured only by absolute power. 
and the next morning before the caliph had risen, his self-elected vizier presented himself by his bedside and humbly requested him to allow him to take his place. The caliph thought he was dreaming. He rubbed his eyes. He sprang up in astonishment. He called a slave to bite his finger, who, having bitten too hard, was immediately condemned to receive a hundred strokes of the bastinado. What did you say? Repeat it, he said to Ben Adab. I said, sire, that you ought to let me reign in your stead, and that this would be a great gain to everyone, to the empire, to me, to yourself. The monarch heard perfectly well this time. He rose, put on his robe, and clapped his hands. Four black slaves instantly appeared. Turn round, he said to the vizier. Ben Adab turned. The caliph took his spring and bestowed on him a vigorous kick, according to the eastern fashion, then made a sign to his negroes, who seized upon the astounded vizier and hastened him on with a similar accompaniment as far as the palace gates. There they stripped him of his garments and left him in his shirt, exposed to the laughter of every passerby. Ashamed and confused, Ben Adab returned to his lowly calling of a shepherd and at last died miserably. And can you guess, dear reader, who this Ben-Adab is? Perhaps you may find him, or at least his counterpart, a little nearer than Baghdad. Perhaps in your own house. Perhaps in your own room. Perhaps in the very clothes you wear. Yes, for this history is your own. It is the history of us all. We are ever seeking after happiness and imagine we shall find it in the grade above our own. When we have enjoyed this position for a little time, we try to make another step upwards, and thus we are ever seeking and yet never find. And we are miserable, miserable through our own fault, because we do not seek happiness there where it truly is, even in our own hearts, because we believe that happiness depends upon our position whilst it truly consists in the disposition with which we fulfill all the duties of our position, whatever it may be. We are called to be happy, rich and poor, governing and governed, small and great. For happiness God hath in love bestowed on every creature in his great creation. He alone is happy, who endures with patience and serenity those trials which are inseparable from the human lot who draws from the love of God that peace of heart which surpasses all vain earthly ideas of an unattainable felicity, who remembers that life does not last for long, and that all its troubles, if born in a Christian spirit, will be succeeded by marvelous joys, which nothing shall have power to disturb. In a word, he alone is happy who is a good and faithful Christian. May we all be of this number and profit by this simple story of the Caliph, the Shepherd, and Happiness. End of section 65